You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Pee Wee Gaskins was a dangerous man, and Jim Beatty discovered firsthand how quickly the tone could change when interviewing a murderer. During their first one-on-one conversation, Pee Wee told Jim about his unusually long thumbnails and then demonstrated on his face how they could be used as weapons. One minute, he's in casual conversation. The next, a killer has his fingernails on his eye sockets. Jim has told this story many times over the past 40 years, and he has a stock reply when asked the obvious question. How could you let this man, who killed more than a dozen people, put his hands on your face? Many have asked, how in the world did you let him do that? I said, look, you don't let Pee Wee Gaskins do anything. He does what he wants to do. He's much worse than the uncle that you don't want hanging around. It's it's much darker than that. People say she's got to go, and this is the plan. And that was the setup for the Friday night murder. I didn't know much about the people who worked the fair, but they were harder than the people that I knew. If you hold a person's mouth completely open, they can't scream. From iHeartRadio and Doghouse Pictures, this is Pee Wee Gaskins Was Not My Friend. I'm Jeff Keating. In spite of the risks, Jim Beatty not only went back to meet with Pee Wee Gaskins at CCI after their first visit, he soon agreed to weekly calls from the prison to his home. I believe it was after the third visit with Pee Wee. I agreed that Pee Wee could call our house on Sunday mornings. Collect, of course. And the phone calls began. And they were answered usually by two of the younger children. And they would call me to the phone after some conversation. 
but he called dozens of times to our house on Sunday morning. Here's Jim's wife, Anita Beatty, and Jim Jr. describing the calls. Pee-wee would call for Jim, but on the way to getting Jim on the phone, the kids would be asked by him, are you going to Sunday school? Are you listening to your mom and daddy? Are you being good? It was exciting to them. A little bit scary, but it was exciting because he was daddy's friend, you know. But no, he was not daddy's friend. I do remember the calls. The one that I remember specifically was hearing the voice, Pee-wee's voice, for the first time. And then I had a feeling of fear, but I remember just being nervous about it and getting the phone out of my hands and into Dad's hands as quickly as I could. His older children were well aware what police found in the fields during December of 1975. Eight bodies, most of whom were friends of Pee-wee, until he killed them. One was a woman he loved, another a pregnant mother, and her two-year-old daughter. There were business partners and three siblings. Here's Mark Beatty talking about his father's experience of interviewing Pee Wee Gaskins while on assignment to write his life story. If you want to go tell somebody, hey, my dad's writing this book called Pee Wee Gaskins, I mean, if you're in Columbia, South Carolina... You know who Pee Wee Gaskins was at the time. With Jim's background as a literary professor, and with his sly sense of humor, the family had confidence this would work out well. We had a lot of fun. He would, you know, he'd make a joke. I remember he would imitate Pee Wee, because apparently Pee Wee said everything twice, everything twice. And my dad would do that all the time. I think that Anita and Dad were pretty good about reminding us, you do remember he is a killer, you know, you know, keep in mind. But it was a very weird kind of razor's edge kind of path you were on sometimes when we were talking about Pee Wee. Uh, it's like he was kind of part of the family. <laughs> but then at the same time, he's much worse than the uncle that you don't want hanging around. It's, it's much darker than that. You know what I mean? The family had reason to be nervous. After all, Pee-wee Gaskins spent over half his life in jail. He knew how to work the system. And Jim knew he was as charming as he was dangerous. Here's an excerpt from an Associated Press article from July 8, 1991. Some believe he possesses a brilliant criminal mind. To others, Gaskins has a keen sense of humor and a friendly, entertaining personality. Few people knew this duality better than Jim, who spent hundreds of hours with Gaskins and members of his family. Jim was interviewed for that article nearly 30 years ago, and in it he says, He's a complex person. He shows anger and compassion almost at the same moment. Jim said that Gaskins had a surprisingly good self-image and that he would brag about being a great lover. In fact, prison officials would confirm that Gaskins did have a lot of female pen pals. He certainly was not handsome, but he was not grotesque. And he would offer the fact, I'm, I'm not much of a looker, but he said, I always got my share, speaking of the, the female population. 
And in the early going, he told me, I really want to get something straight. And I said, what, what would that be? He said, well, I never raped nobody. Never, ever, not one time. And then he very quickly, with a gleam in his eye, said, I never had to. So Pee-wee was letting me know that he was quite a ladies' man. Watching him there in the prison, seated in the vista area, and the women around, eyes always fixed right on it. And uh, that, to me, was quite remarkable. Women may have been attracted to him, and men may have done business with him, but in prison, you watch your back every day. Someone is almost certainly out to get you, especially if you're Pee Wee Gaskins. Here's Jim describing a dangerous encounter with fellow prison inmate Avery Howard years earlier in CCI. Pee Wee first met Avery uh, in CCI years earlier in Columbia. Avery Howard was your run-of-the-mill thug. He was dating Diane Bellamy Neely, who was married to Walter. Years before, in the prison, there was the great setup that he planned for Pee-wee. He always resented Pee-wee and wanted, even when he was in prison, to take his place, if he could, in the place of leadership and respect. And he decided that if he could set him up and get him into trouble, that he could become the big man uh, in the cell block, so to speak. So Avery Howard's plan was to have Pee-wee go in business with him in selling marijuana in the prison. So he told Pee-wee that he wanted to speak to him the next time there's there's a recess out in the yard. And they did. And Avery put some joints, marijuana, down on the bench beside him and said, here, I'll sell you these for $5.00. And I want you to let's set up and go in business. I can sell all the marijuana. You can get me. And let's go in business. And Pee Wee said, absolutely not. Keep your joints. I'm not the least bit interested. And the bell rings, and it's time to go back in. And Pee Wee watches Avery leave and walk across the yard. And as Pee Wee starts back, two guards come straight to Pee Wee and said, you got to be searched. And they searched him. Nothing. Emptied his pockets, checked his underwear, no marijuana anywhere. So the setup did not work. That afternoon late, when the razor man comes by, Pee-wee says, will you take a message to Avery Howard? And the guy said, yes. He said, tell him to look in his right pocket of his windbreaker and see what he finds. And as the razor man's walking away, Pee-wee says, just a minute, can I tell you one more thing? Said, tell him that I said, if it takes 20 years, and he'll know what I mean. It would only take 10. Pee-wee ended up dealing with Avery again when both were out of prison. It was a small world, and when they met again, Avery Howard 
had begun an affair with Diane Bellamy. Pee-wee met Diane when she worked at the Amusements of America Carnival in Sumter, South Carolina. According to Gaskins, they were friends, they were once lovers, and she was even part of his theft ring. She ended up in a common-law marriage with Pee-wee's closest buddy, Walter Neely. Even though Diane and Pee-wee were once close, their friendship took a bad turn. First, there was the story about Walter and Diane's infant child. Here's Anita Baby. There's a story about the death of his son, his baby. Diane Bellamy Neely was married to Walter. I guess they were married. She carried his name. And their baby died from neglect, actually. her. Diane left the baby alone in a bathtub and her other young child turned on the hot water, and the baby died from burn wounds. Law enforcement ruled it an accidental death, but Pee-wee would never forgive her for what he saw as a sin committed against his best friend. Let that baby die in a bathtub. And Walter's son. And it breaks my heart because I love babies, and to think of this guy so fragile who probably loved that baby. I've I've thought many times of how he might have held the baby, you know, and looked at him and said, this is my son. And what the evidence says about Walter's limitations and his mother's protection of him and the betrayal of Walter by Diane Bellamy Neely. And she was pretty much a trollop, as my mother would say. And she was unfaithful to him. Diane's youngest brother, Johnny Knight, was part of the local theft ring and fell in love with Wanda Snell. Johnny was on parole from reform school where he was serving time for auto theft. Wanda had been living with her sister, Sandy, who was married to Pee Wee Gaskins at the time. The two young teens, Johnny and Wanda, fell in love, got engaged, and were having plenty of sex at Gaskin's home. This arrangement went on as perfectly normal until another boy named Charlie showed up and broke up the engagement. Diane was livid that Charlie, another carnival worker, would break up the relationship her brother had with Wanda Snell. And it was her acting out that anger that would cost Diane her life. Diane Bellamy Neely was an absolutely recalcitrant member of the ring. She did not listen to Pee-wee. She didn't bother about Pee-wee. She could not have cared less on anything that Pee-wee told her to do. Her boyfriend, in front of her husband, Walter, and in front of Pee-wee, was Avery Howard, a person that Pee-wee had known in prison, Diane Bellamy wanted John Henry Knight and Wanda to be together. She felt John Henry Knight was being left out. He was 15 and didn't have any kind of girlfriend at that point. Well, Diane tells Pee-wee that she's going to go to the law and report that Pee-wee is letting Wanda and Charlie Sheely 
live in his house, which they were doing. This would put a spotlight on Pee-wee in the eyes of the law. Then, Avery told him that Diane knew about a murder he'd done and could talk if she wanted to. Well, that's jawing. No one should talk about his crimes. Pee-wee came up with a plan. The first step was to go to the carnival and get a recruit. Pee-wee went to the Midway, the carnival area, where Charlie was working and calls him over and says, are you ready to go back to jail? Charlie says, what do you mean? And then he told him how Diane was threatening to do something about him and all of them. And Pee-wee says, she's got to go, and this is the plan. And that was the setup for the Friday night murder. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. The carnival in central South Carolina was more than seasonal entertainment. It was a mainstay in the community. It coupled with charities for fundraising events. Numerous people in this story worked for Amusements of America, the company who owned the fair. Pee Wee worked there over time, 
as did the large Snell family and the Bellamy's. It was entirely reasonable that Pee-wee's first move when he was going to send Diane and Avery to the grave was to drop by the carnival. It was the perfect setting for the story. This is Dominic Vivona. His family started Amusements of America in 1939. So my family is the typical Italian immigrant family. My grandfather died when my father was 11, uh, pneumonia. So my uncle used to go around neighborhoods with an ice cream truck and sell ice cream. But he found out that these carnival events were happening around the city with a Ferris wheel or a merry ground And he used to travel and follow this carnival event, and he used to sell out his ice cream truck. So he kind of figured out that this was the way to go, uh, follow this carnival around the city and, and, uh, and uh, have big uh, sales with ice cream. Over the next 30 years, the family venture became a seasonal treasure. By the 60s and 70s, they were very well established on the eastern coast of the United States, from all the way to Canada. Eventually, Sumter County became a base for all operations. Along with making money for the Vavonas, Amusements of America brought business and revenue to the communities where they set up shop. At the peak of its season, the carnival employed roughly 400 people. So there's a lot of history there with the Music America and Sumter over the years because they went back and back there every year after the fair to do their, their we call winter quarters work. You spend a lot of money in the local community over the winter buying parts, paint, lights, uh, bearings, motor belts, and all the help that you employed, you know, just working doing the maintenance on the equipment. So they became a pretty well-known business entity in the city of Sumter, which is not a huge city, but it's a decent-sized southern city. Here's Anita and Mark Beatty talking about the carnival from the other side of the ticket booth. I went to the fair as a child every year, sometimes with Hattie um, and, and sometimes with friends or parents. And the Amusements of America produced the fair and traveled it or toured it all over small towns in South Carolina, and it was really quite an exciting occasion. Then in high school, I was cheerleading. We had dates and went to the fair, and that was a different kind of fun. So it was always a thing in my life. We went to the state fair every year. I went to Olympia Middle School, which is one half of a city block from the fairgrounds. And the first week of fair, we actually got out of school on a half day. It was a big deal. Employees worked long hours at minimum wage and were paid in cash. Most folks gave the office address as their personal address. It was an informal economy. There were no computers around to do background checks. And it attracted a colorful crew of characters. Here's Dominic Vivona. I mean, this is a unique business, very unique, special, different, not for everybody. You get all type of employees, skilled, unskilled. Some of them might have emotional, personal baggage, and they're trying to either get away from their families or whatever past that they want to disassociate from, and or they're looking for a new adventure. Two types of people work the carnival circuit. First, you get the folks that from the area and just want to work this carnival. And they come to the fair and we hire them for the week and they get paid and, and they go back to their, their normal life after the fair ends. And then you had the folks that want to 
travel with you, the, the carnies, the official carnies, and they would uh, join you and, and they'd go to the next fair and the fair for that and so forth and get into the routine and stay with you. They become lifers, you could say, carnies for life. I didn't know much as a child about the people who worked the fair, the rides. They were just really different from the people I knew and grew up with and lived around and went to church with. They were sort of hard. That was what I remember. I wouldn't have used that word then because I didn't know how to describe it, but they were harder than the people that I knew. This way of life provided a subculture of sorts. Folks' lives merged and bled into one another. Rules, standards, or boundaries, at least formal ones, faded. There's not a lot of time off in the sense that when you do have time off, you're still in the carnival family community. You're not going to your house away from everybody else because your house is with the other guy's house, which is you know five feet away from you. When you have a nine-to-five job at an office and you close the door and you walk out of that building and you go home, it's, you might be entering a different world. But in the carnival, uh, there is no different world. Everybody's together and lives together, eats together, works together. So that's why you get that family environment. A family. This is where Pee Wee set up shop. It was near perfect cover for a predator. A marginal community existing in plain sight. Workers were largely itinerant, and turnover was high. The loud games and colorful rides provided brilliant cover for any number of stories. After investigators learned that there were many missing persons associated with Pee Wee Gaskins, they soon discovered another common thread. Several of them were carnies. The Bellamies and the Sheelys and the Snells. Old Lady Snell worked the carnival circuit for years and had at least three children. Sandy Snell, who was Pee-wee's fifth wife, Ricky, 16, who worked in the car theft ring, and Wanda Snell, who was 15. The Snell family was prolific in our carnival business. There was a family that they all just gravitated to the carnival. And there was cousins, there was brothers, there was sisters. I don't know where that family was originally from, but they just seemed to be a true Carney family in the sense that all the relatives ended up getting a job somehow, some way. Wanda's mother brought her with her to work when she was two years old. The culture meant that when children were born into this environment, they became integrated and then perpetuated carny life. So there was much more freedom where you had kids actually grow up on the carnival because there was not the push from the states to keep all those kids in school or be able to track them, I guess. So there's much more growth from a child level actually on the carnival as opposed to just having men and women as employees. Wanda Snell began working at the carnival when she was very young. At 14, she became pregnant for the first time and had a miscarriage. She testified under oath to having sex with Pee-wee that same year. Gaskins was 42 years old at the time. Pee-wee preyed on the young and vulnerable. Our story, remember, started with a missing girl, Kim Gelkins. Many of the stories involve young girls. Wanda Snell later testified that Walter Neely bragged that he and Pee-wee were contract killers and that she witnessed Neely pulling a gun on Dennis Bellamy 
and threatened to kill his entire family. Neely's defense accused the prosecution of putting up prostitutes against their client. Walter's lawyer stating, In fact, she slept with just about everyone I mentioned. The newspaper described the young girl as buxom and detailed several of her sexual partners. Kids grew up fast in the carnival. Wanda met and dated John Henry Knight, another member of Gaskin's posse, and one of the bodies found in the mass grave in Prospect. Johnny was 14 years old when he started in Pee Wee's theft ring. He was half-brother to Diane and Dennis Bellamy. Authorities would learn that a romance had sparked between Wanda and Johnny. The two crossed paths when Wanda was staying with Sandy and Pee Wee. Johnny Knight would come around with stolen goods for Pee Wee to sell. John Henry Knight was actually a member of the Pee Wee gang and respected Pee Wee for the right reasons and respected him as an adult, respected him as a leader. He was a 15-year-old that, uh, as Pee Wee said, was ashamed that he had to die. Pee Wee hatched his plan to get rid of Diane and went to see Charlie Sheely at the carnival. It's what Jim Beatty calls the Friday Night Murder. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. 
don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. There are many versions of every story involved in this sordid tale. A perfect example of this are the murders of Diane Bellamy Neely and Avery Howard. These two victims were found in Pee Wee's burial ground on the second day of searching. Diane and Avery were having a sexual affair out in the open in the spring of 1975. At the time, as Walter Neely later testified, he and Diane were in a common-law marriage. Her affair with Avery didn't seem to anger Walter, as his testimony documents, but it sure pissed off Pee-wee, who thought it was embarrassing and unfair to Walter. Pee-wee manipulated the people around him, and Walter was an easy target. In some instances, he forced people into becoming accomplices to his crimes, leveraging their silence with their complicity. Such was the case so many times for Walter Neely. It was why Walter was spending the rest of his life behind bars. As was the case with Charlie Sheely and Ricky Snell, Pee Wee straight up got them to commit murder to cover up his other murders and crimes. Pee Wee's incentive was that Diane and Avery were threatened about jawing to the police with accusations of rape, endangering minors, and murder. At 19 years old, Charlie was risking his freedom by having a relationship with 15-year-old Wanda Snell. He could get arrested on delinquency. The account of the following murder is told by Jim Beatty and taken from sworn testimony given by Walter, Pee Wee, and Wanda Snell. Charlie Sheely, an ex-Marine, strong could easily lift a refrigerator all by himself. Charlie was convicted of involuntary manslaughter for killing his father when he was 15. He went into the Marines soon after a short stay in reform school. At the carnival, Pee Wee gave Charlie the plan. He also gave him the boning knife he stole from the Campbell Soup Factory. Pee Wee told Charlie and Ricky that Diane and Avery were going to be using the back room at a local business for a midday sexual tryst. Pee-wee gave them the key to the business and told them what time they needed to leave by. He didn't want Diane and Avery flaunting their affair in front of Walter any longer. While Diane and Avery were inside, Pee-wee told Charlie to show up with Wanda and Ricky Snell in the car. Pee-wee wanted Ricky and Wanda involved. Wanda is in another car waiting in the distance. Charlie and Ricky left Wanda in the car and got into the back seat of Diane and Avery's car, the one Pee-wee let them borrow for their hookup. And gotten into the Avery Howard, Diane Bellamy, Neely car, and were crouched in the back seat, no weapon except the Campbell soup knife. The couple comes out after their rendezvous. The roof light in the car had been removed. At that moment, the two men 
come up out of the back seat. Charlie Sheely was a brute, and he had the Campbell Soup knife, and he choked Avery Howard in the driver's seat and plunged the Campbell Soup knife into his abdomen and chest while Ricky Snell is holding Diane Bellamy Neely by the throat with her mouth open. Pee-wee instructed Ricky, if you, if you hold a person's mouth completely open, they can't scream. So he was holding her mouth completely open, which he couldn't scream. And then when Charlie finished with Avery, he put the knife to Diane Bellamy Neely. Ricky Snell gets out of the car and goes to the other car that Wanda's driving. Charlie Sheely puts Diane by the window, Avery Howard in the middle seat, and Charlie drive to Walter Neely's house. And Walter Neely comes out and gets in the car. Wanda Snell and Ricky Snell get in the back seat of the car. And there's six people, two dead in the front seat, along with the driver, three alive in the back seat. Walter asked him, did y'all do it? Is Diane dead? And Ricky Snell said, she's dead. Wanda testified that she didn't directly see the murders, but she did admit to being in the car with two dead bodies heading for Pee Wee. Walter testified that Diane's murder didn't upset him. He mostly just felt sorry for her. It didn't bother me, he said. He talked about the strangest of car rides. We didn't talk about nothing, mostly small talk. We just tried to get up there as quick as we could. We went out to Sam's place and saw Pee-wee. They drive to Lake City. Pee-wee comes out, gets Charlie out of the front seat, shoots both of the dead people again between the eyes. Charlie gets back in the car. Pee-wee follows them to a grave site where they all dig the grave except for Pee-wee. One claim that didn't match up in their testimony was whether or not Pee-wee shot Avery and Diane before they put the bodies in the ground. Forensics showed that only Diane had been shot. At the time of his testimony, Walter Neely was serving life in prison as accessory to several murders Pee-wee admitted to. It's 1976 when he's telling this story. His admissions in Diane and Avery's murders followed Pee-wee's and Wanda Snell's, both of whom told the same story. One of the lead investigators, Tom Henderson, laid into Walter. Quote, Did you know Wanda Snell took a lie detector test and the lie detector showed that she was lying, that the whole story was a lie? She confessed the whole story was made up. End quote. Walter did not know this. Apparently, Pee-wee got Wanda and Walter to tell the same story about the Friday night Diane and Avery were murdered. 
Walter played along because it was Pee Wee's show. He said he'd been riding in the car with his freshly murdered wife. He followed the script that his friend laid out for him. It was that simple to Walter. Wanda went so far in her devotion to Pee Wee that she implicated herself in the murders. Even as a teenager, she was a willing cover. An amazing degree of control and manipulation. Pee-wee would wield as much everywhere he went as well. Law enforcement never really believed the outlandish story about the Friday night murder car ride. Too many details didn't add up. The image of the car heading north to find Pee-wee bordered on the tragic comical more than reality. The media ran with that image, though, wrote and republished articles portraying the grisly scene. The questions investigators asked Pee-wee and Walter indicate, however, that they were breaking apart from their story. They knew where they were going when they questioned them. What Pee-wee's defense attorney ultimately believed Pee-wee did to Diane and Avery is backed up by forensic details pieced together by law enforcement. Diane and Avery were threatening Pee-wee, trying to blackmail him into paying for their silence. Pee-wee acted like he was going to get them some money. It was all part of the ruse. As he regularly did with other people around him, he said he was going to give them a car. Lots of cars moved through Pee-wee. They could resell it if they wanted. It was stolen, so it needed some title work, but they could have it. In exchange, they were to leave Walter alone and shut up about his crimes. Pee-wee testified that he took them to the field near Prospect to give them the car. He ended up in a fight with Avery Howard as he pulled his gun and Avery grabbed it and it was thrown aside in the tussle. He kept a knife strapped in an ankle holster all the time. It was the boning knife he used to clean chickens when he worked at the Campbell Soup Factory. He pulled it out and stabbed Avery several times. Diane tried to run, but he stopped her, shot, and stabbed her. The sequence remains a mystery. Tom Henderson questioned Pee-wee about this account, saying, quote, The bullet came out of Diane at the right side of the midline at the upper part of the teeth. Dr. Sexton has examined thousands of killings. He's a lot more experienced with killing than you have, Pee-wee. And he says the only way he knows that a bullet wound could have got there is somebody stuck a gun, she had a halter top on, and said that somebody had to stick that gun right up between her breasts, right up under there, and pull the trigger for the bullet to come out right there. End quote. Police contended that she was raped. Pee-wee denied it. There was no rape kit or further investigation. Her underwear were at her ankles in the grave. Pee-wee said they were pulled off as he dragged her body there. He covered it with branches and leaves, went back to his trailer, and Walter showed up soon thereafter. So Pee-wee took Walter and showed him his wife's dead body atop of Avery's in their bramble-covered grave. Walter Neely wound up murdering Dennis Bellamy. He knowingly concealed other Pee-wee's murders as well. 
Pee-wee bought Walter silence about his missing wife. Avery Howard found himself involved in a bundle of lies starting years earlier in CCI when he tried to set up Pee-wee for distribution in jail. True life butterfly effect. You start lying and you never know where it may lead. That's what makes Pee-wee's claims about killing hitchhikers sound bogus. Random killing would waste energy that he needed to juggle, to manage real-life bundles of lies that concealed rape, child endangerment, racist-motivated murders, murders for hires, killing an underage family member and her friend. By involving people like Wanda and Walter and others, Pee-wee tried to spread around some of the weight that comes with managing all that. His personality was dynamic, larger than life in a small frame. Law enforcement from all over South Carolina, newspaper and television reporters, Jim Beatty, they all relate the same image of Pee-wee's dynamism. That personality was also part of the management of his day-to-day life of lies. For those in his most immediate vicinity, it wasn't surprising at all. It was horrifically logical. Many of them, those people in his circle, those he talked to regularly, those he interacted with, many of these were implicated in his crimes in one way or another. Pee-wee wanted to intimidate as many people as he possibly could. And I learned that firsthand. Kiwi Gaskins was not my friend is a joint production from iHeartRadio and Doghouse Pictures. Produced and hosted by Jeff Keating. Executive producers are Courtney DeFries and Noel Brown. Written by Jim Roberts, Courtney DeFries, and Terry James. Edit, mix, and sound design by Jeremiah Kulani Prescott. Music composed by Diamond Street Productions, Spencer Garn, and Ian Newberry. Special thanks to Jim and Anita Beatty. Additional thanks to the University of South Carolina Moving Image Research Collections and the University of South Carolina. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world.
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.